everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up? It's a high of 71 today. I'm so happy. Oh, nice. It was in the 90s this weekend, Fahrenheit. Oh my goodness. Wow. Our European listeners. Yeah. So nice and warm here already, which is exciting. Summer is finally about here. Today, we have a special guest, Adrian Valenzuela. Welcome to the show. You want to give yourself a little intro? My name is Adrian Valenzuela, Ruby on Rails developer. I I enjoy working with Ruby on Rails and I've done some open source work, managed a tutorial blog on Ruby and just recently signed up for Ruby friends to help mentor juniors. The other day we were talking on Twitter about interviewing kind of in 2023. You're in the process of interviewing with certain companies. You want to give a little bit of background before we kind of get into that part? What are you currently doing? And like, I think you're doing a lot of contracting, right? So let's talk about that a little bit. Right now I'm doing a lot of contracting. I've been interviewing for corporate jobs and finding that it's a totally different beast. And I realized a little background about myself. I have been a barber for 15 years or so. Started like cutting hair back in 2006. And in the beginning of that, I went to school for graphic design. And I was, and that's how I got into web development in 2012. I started offering sign services and complimentary web design services using WordPress. When it got to the point where my clients need something more specific, something more unique that a plugin for WordPress couldn't handle, I found Ruby on Rails and I was an avid reader of .NET Magazine. There was an article about like, what's the difference between a web app and a website. And then it referenced Django actually. So I looked up Django and Python and I started learning that. And that's how I learned a lot of auditory programming and VC in the command line interface and whatnot. And it was really cool. Like, I was really blown away by it. I started telling my brother about what I was doing. And he said, oh yeah, I have a friend who's doing web development, but he's using Ruby. So then I never heard of it at that point. I went ahead and I went and I looked it up and I came across the old uh, Rails landing page with the cartoon. Imagine what you could build if you knew Rails and then listed all these companies that I have definitely heard of, you know? And I was just completely blown away and wowed by it. I did more deep diving into Ruby and came across guides like Wise Funding Guide, Mini Swan was all over the place. And Tender Love had a pretty fun blog that I used to read. And this is 2015. So like the whole like old days of Ruby and Rails was very much in the air. And that's what captured my heart, so to speak. So yeah, then I, uh, I just started learning Rails. And over the years, I actually got a lot of my clientele and projects through the barbershop. Like I'd be cutting hair and talk to these clients. And these clients who were getting haircuts, they were business owners or entrepreneurs or whatnot. And now I get projects through that. And that's how I would start off. I transitioned to full-time web development. Didn't happen until 2020. You know, they shut down all the shops and I was kind of like, what am I going to do? And a lot of people, I think, would have felt like it was more of an opposition, but I saw opportunity. Like I've been trying to make this transition to full-time web development for years. It's just, it's so difficult to walk away from something that's already working, you know, the shop. But now the shop wasn't there and I had the green light to just kind of move forward. So I started to really just find a way to deep dive into web development. And I went back to my Twitter profile and I removed anything that wasn't web development or graphic design related. I went from following all these junk accounts and just everybody in my Twitter following is specifically web development, especially Ruby on Rails and whatnot, because I just wanted to jump on Twitter and just see that content. That's how I interacted and met you for the first time, Andrew, back in 2020. I don't know if you remember, but you tweeted something about Bridgetown and I asked you like, hey, what's Bridgetown? 
And you said something, only the most slept on framework of 2020. And then I looked into it, jumped into the Discord and Jared and Connor and Ayush and everyone was just so gracious with their time and they're so kind and everything. And, and it was just really nice finding a community of great people that like-minded and in terms of weather element. So that was pretty cool. It was just a nice little part of the journey. We are kind of caught up to 2020, right? So 2020, you're starting to make this transition because of the pandemic. and when did you start picking up contract gigs? I signed up for Railsdiff and I was one of the first people who signed up. I'm user developer 144. <laughs> so when I signed up, I would get quite a few people messaging me and I got a few contract gigs out of that. One was a pretty long one. I don't know, almost seven months or so. And that was a pretty cool project. But after that was finished, it ended last September. So last October is when I went back into the field to interview for roast jobs. I would look on indie.com and I would check out things on AngelList and LinkedIn and whatnot. And what I found was interviewing is a skill in of its own, but it's a different beast. And the way that the questions were set up and tests, I had no idea why they were so open-ended. If you get quizzed in school, they ask you specifically, what's this? What's the answer of this question? But when they ask you things like, oh, what's the situation that you're most proud of? What's something that happened that went wrong and what did you do to fix it? I didn't realize at first that they were looking for behavioral like indicators of how you're going to act if they hire you. I had no idea. Later on, I got a, a job coach and I've been learning more about, about interviewing and doing mock interviews and studying behavioral. So yeah, it's just been a really interesting learning experience because for the first two months, I was actually, and this was sort of the end of the year, the end of 2022, I was actually interviewing about three to four times a week. There's a lot of jobs out there. This was October, November. I did two months of interviewing. I was so burned out by the end of November that I was actually really discouraged and I was really just questioning like, what am I doing? I should just go back to film here, you know? And I had a buddy, I had some buddies that like were like, no, you know, you know what you're doing. So I think later when I realized that the interviewing skill is a big part of it. I mean, I guess if you go to school for internships and whatnot, they prepare you for it, but I'm going at this from a different route. I'm doing everything on my own with the help of others, but I'm looking up the data myself. I'm looking up curriculum, taking courses, and I'm coming at this from the other end. As far as interviewing goes, the only other experience I have interviewing is like when you are a barbershop. If I want to go here at a different shop, I go, hey, looking for a job. You guys have an open chair. Yeah, take this chair. Let's see what you got. They try me out for a day. They say hi, I'm with people. They see my haircuts and that's it. But of course, corporations are going to be, they have to have a, a better screening process before they sign somebody up because I know it's an expensive process. But not knowing that kind of hurt me, kind of discouraged me in the look early on. And I think that's something that also people need to be aware of, that knowing how to interview is important before you go in. It's easier to get contract jobs because a lot of times contract jobs, it can be either referred you know to from an existing developer they just jump you on the project or it's just a different process a small business or a freelancer they have a different process of going about it so i feel like because of that getting a corporate gig is a lot harder can i ask you what was that process like for your contract job with when you made an account at Rails devs and someone reached out to you I'm assuming there wasn't as a robust of an interview process. How did you two connect? He messaged me and it was out of a contract. 
and he creates some Ruby code and that output in a message. So I responded the same way. I thought it was kind of fun. Then he later said, hey, thanks for replying and whatnot. And we got on the phone call. He talked about where we're at. He asked me some questions about, you know, my skills and if I've ever done this stuff and that. If I worked with big projects, a lot of models and whatnot. And it was very casual, very formal. And I feel like after I interviewed with him, I got a phone call later on. And he said that there was another developer that was a little bit stronger than me in terms of skill for the job. But he chose me based on my involvement with the community. He thought it would be better no longer for the community because I have already had a history of doing tutorials and just done some open source work. He just saw my involvement in the community and he felt in the long run, whatever I learned from this gig, it's just going to come back to it. And yeah, every time I learn something, I just, I do what I can to write about it or just help others. Not everything I do is out in the open, but like I love learning and I love teaching others to learn because I love how excited they get. I love seeing people get excited about Ruby and Rails and that's great. I actually come from a family of engineers and my brother and I have like six engineers and physicists in my family. And one of them is a computer science major, but he graduated a long time ago. But when he was in high school, I got him onto Jekyll. And later on, when I was learning Django, I got him onto Django and he was just so blown away by it. Like he loved it. And it's always fun talking to my little cousin about it. Well, he went ahead and he went to Berkeley, got his bachelor's in computer science and he's working in LA now and writing Python and React. I'm glad that I was there to kind of introduce web development to him through Jekyll and stuff. So that's pretty cool. So even in like small little things like that, which I don't think it's small, I think it's great, but I really believe that every single person has like the ability to touch someone else's life and make it feel better. So I know it kind of veered off the whole like process of the interview, but it was very informal, very casual compared to corporate type interviews where they have a lot of, how do you say it? Like they want you to create like these algorithms and they want you to, do they have take home assignments where you take it home and you look to see what's wrong with the code or how you can fix it and whatnot. But it's been very different for sure. Every company has a new way of doing a technical test. Hi there, Julie here. I would like to take a moment to thank GoRails for sponsoring this episode. When I was first starting out, I struggled with finding up-to-date content to help me level up. Then I learned about GoRails. Not only does GoRails provide new screencasts weekly, they also have two fantastic instructors that break down complex topics into digestible chunks. On top of that, I really appreciate when they explain the whys behind the subject. One of my favorite walkthroughs is creating your first Ruby gem from scratch. What a great way to learn by stripping down to just the basics. If you care about leveling up as a Ruby engineer, you can't go wrong with GoRails. Check it out at GoRails.com. So we were talking earlier and I told you that I'm not good at live code tests. If you hand me a take home, sure. But the only interview I've ever bombed was live coding. And it's just like, I kind of froze up. So I'm kind of curious to talk about what interviewing in 2023 is like, like things they're asking you, whether there are a lot of take home, whether it's a lot of live coding, like what's the mix? Since you've done a lot of interviewing and you've been writing Rails long before Julie and I. So I am just kind of curious, like what these interviews are kind of structured like. There's some times where I feel like I did really well, even the technical tests, especially the take home one or the assessments. And I still don't hear anything back. There is this assessment test I took 
aced it and whatnot. And then, yeah, I didn't really hear anything back after that. So there's a lot of ghosting out there for sure. There is quite a few companies that they don't do technical tests. They just want to hear you talk about it because they feel like they can get enough information. If you're able to discuss it, then you kind of get an idea of like where you're at when you start talking about it. So there's quite a few of those. There's technical tests where they ask you to write an algorithm in any language you're choosing, which I think is interesting in itself. There is some live coding. Oh yeah, there's this one pretty cool one where he wanted me to create a service object. He had these values. He wanted me to create a class where it returned these values and then back it up with the test with some RSpec. So I did and it was fine. It was good. But yeah, after that, there is still like quite a bit of competition out there. Even though like I've done well in some of the tests, I feel like the fact that I'm considering myself a mid-level is because I haven't had that corporate experience. You know, I haven't had to manage other people and other teams and deal with issues that seniors would deal with, right? I feel like I'm pretty comfortable and like I know Rails from the front to the back. I've even like, the back in the day, I would compile my own servers, you know, like in just DigitalOcean has some really great documentation. You just kind of start up a droplet and install Ruby and everything you needed. And everything through a syncing command line and Git. I used to deploy with Capistrano before Heroku was, a, was like really a thing. And I have like all those skills under my belt. But yeah, when it comes to like the higher stake stuff, corporations they're working with, I just haven't been there. And I think at some level it does, like someone else has been and they're looking for work. So of course they're going to go for it. So that's why contract work has been helping me maintain. I love coding. And like you said, I know we talked about this earlier. Like when you're doing live code, Andrew, like you freeze. Same thing with me. For me, like I said earlier, coding is very therapeutic. It's a very personal process that I like to do to get away. You know, it just helps me relax my mind because my mind's always going at 100 miles an hour. And I could kind of just stop and just use that energy for something to build something valuable or cool. And I use it as a way of like, just dealing with my overactive mind and bringing joy to my life. So when I get asked to code something under a magnifying class, and I know there's stakes involved because I, you know, I also think about my family I have to provide. I don't know, like it should be the moment where I'm like, yeah, I'll code it up. But I think because of what coding is to me, it just doesn't feel like that therapeutic or relaxing anymore. So, and I just shut down. It's very unfortunate that it happens like that. So I know that there's other venues for me to get myself out there. I'm just going to keep writing my tutorials, keep contributing, keep building and keep working. And just hopefully like in time, you know, a corporate thing will hit. But right now, like a lot of the, you know, whatever contract work I get, I'm grateful for it. Teams are always cool and there's always something we need to learn. Right now I'm working on this project where I'm building the whole MVP from scratch. They had a UX team design the flowcharts and then talked with the client about what they wanted to have to do. So I'm the implementing it. And uh, I bounce ideas off of another developer, but I talked to him about a couple hours a week to kind of bounce ideas. And he's really helpful, but for the most part, yeah, implementing this MVP has been a really cool experience. Part of it is kind of like a survey. And the way it's organized, there's about four levels deep of listed models and list parameters, right? So reflecting that in the form, you have to make sure it lines up or else you're not going to see the database correctly or you're going to have those parameters, but it's been a really fun project. There's so many levels in this forum that I feel like DiCaprio Inception, you know, it's just, <laughs> that's one of the things I'm doing right now. It's just, like I said, I'm just going to keep doing the contract work. And then I look back 
at the past, it only gets better. I thought about developers and a lot of people feel discouraged or they go into another language or community just to get thrown in the door. But I think the way the, the mind frame that you have to building web applications with Rails, it, nothing really matches it. Like not even Laravel, you know, I know like from what I've heard on podcasts, Laravels were inspired by Rails and I've played with it a little bit, but it's not the same vibe. Not Ruby. It, it's not Ruby. It's not Ruby. Yeah. This year, it seems like there's a huge renaissance for, for Ruby and Rails as opposed to years before. I remember looking up YouTube tutorials and every YouTube article was like four years old or something. And now there's a lot of new content coming up from all over the world. So I think there's definitely a good thing happening here. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with HoneyBadger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at honeybadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me, free. A big thank you to Honey Badger for sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. I'm curious what advice you might have. So you're having your own struggles. It sounds like you're finding ways to overcome them, right? Like getting a coach, finding the things that you need to work on. What advice would you give to someone else in your position right now who's like having these same struggles? Yeah, I think some of the things that have helped me out the most is other people in the community. I think really understand why you're trying to get a job in tech and in a specific language for one. Like really think about like, if this is what you want to do or not. Like I said, I got into Rails in 2015 at the height of the front end frameworks. And, you know, everyone was doing that and that's where the jobs were. But I resonated with this, with Rails and Ruby. And year after year, like, is Ruby dying and just no jobs and whatnot. That's what I would read on online. But fast forward to now, like when it came down to actually make that full-time transition, I think, especially coming from being self-taught, there's just a lot of things that you know what you don't know. And there's things that you don't know you don't know, like that you need to know. Like I didn't know about the interviewing aspect of it. But for example, how would I have come up on that before? Like I would have not known to Google this before, unless it was told to me, you know, and it was, but I think the way I can like connect those dots is again, making sure that you love what you do. So I like talking to people like and teaching people how to code. I have a buddy who is a really talented developer, but he's always been a lone developer and he's a junior and he's never worked on a project with anybody anywhere. So I have experience working with teams and corporations and small businesses with GitHub and code reviews and whatnot. So I said, hey, what's a project that you're interested in that you're building on your own and let me help you on it. And basically the biggest aspect of working with him on that project was teaching him like the code review aspect of workflow. You know, do you squash, do you, you know, merge or how do you rebase? After I push something up, how do you ensure that it doesn't? So that workflow, it's something that I helped them like bring light to because if he doesn't work with anybody else, he's not really going to get that experience. So he is super excited and he got that under his belt now. But that and just, you know, he became a really good friend and just that and just enjoying talking to him and just doing what I love and hanging out with people who also love the same thing. He introduced me to what my job code is right now. 
And that wouldn't have happened unless I'm just kind of continuing to do what I'm doing. It's just some of those things, there's no real formula for it. Some things in life just happen. And it's just one of those things that kind of helped me get better. And I feel like it's just, a, I think, another testament. You got to like give your time and help someone else. And even now, like I have a mentor I got from Rusha until all back. And it's pretty cool. It's just pretty cool talking about Ruby and Rails with people. Sounds like you suggest meeting people in the community and you can help each other, basically. Like they can tell you things that you don't know. You can tell them things that they don't know. And it sounds like finding yourself in the community is a good way to level up a little bit. That's definitely a way. I really believe in the concept of community, you know, and people teaching others and always having that like mind, like I want to learn why isn't this working and try to ask somebody. I think eventually if you just kind of keep speaking and keep knocking and eventually you'll find the answers, but you just have to go out and do it. We're kind of at the end here. So people have heard all this and if they're interested in hiring you, where can they find you online? Or where can people who want to learn more about what you're doing, learn about you and find out? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AdrianValence underscore or AdrianValence.com. I have a little website there, but I'm always open to emails and people messaging me if they want to talk more. I'm always down for meeting people, helping people like open to work. Cool. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show and kind of talking to us what interviewing in 2023 is like. Yeah, thank you. I had no idea how easier it was to get contract work because I don't hear very much about contract work. And when learning, we don't really hear about contract work. So it was really nice to get your perspective on it. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully someone listening to this is like, hey, I need a really skilled Ruby developer and they hit you up. So I think that's it for us this week. We'll catch everyone else next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, everyone.